Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mission Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So it is... It's like, I've got like, what, like three weeks left of the semester and I'm dying. Like, I am disintegrating from within, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm slowly deteriorating, (laughs) which is an issue, of course. Um, But you know what? I've actually, I've actually been like really, um, oh God, what's the word? What's the opposite of procrastinating? I don't know. Productive? Yeah, productive. Sure. Um, I've actually been really productive with my uh, schoolwork and all. Like, I've, I've had all these, like, final assignments and stuff, but I accidentally got, like, a few weeks ahead. I wrote one of my uh, final essays in, like, three days, and I didn't mean to. Like, literally, my plan was to, like, look at the rubric at the very least. So that I'd at least know like what I needed to do. And but then I like got an idea for that essay and I was like, well, I shouldn't waste this momentum. So I just started writing the essay and then it just went on and on and on and on and then I then I was done. <laughs> you know, I love it when that happens because my ADHD usually, you know, like bars me from doing my best work. And I love it when my brain is just like, all obstacles removed, you can do your work. Yay. So, you know, that was great. Also, another uh, essay I had to write in my race and racism class, which is, you know, fun to take. I actually really like it because it's like so interesting because you never really think about the origins of racism and like how we got here, especially as a white person for me. Um, You know, my essay, my final essay in that class is about like uh, medieval travel guides and uh, explorers and like how they influenced like early modern racism and stuff like that. And obviously one of the most famous travel guides of the Middle Ages is Marco Polo the Travels. And actually, ironically, I happened to uh, own a copy of Marco Polo's The Travels. I bought it like, oh God, like four or five years ago or something because I was like a little baby little teenager and I was like oh I'm so adult and like professional for buying Marco Polo's The Travels literally like the entire book is literally just Marco Polo being like what's this what's that what's that is that a cool plant over there hey look what are those people doing it's it's pretty much what it is like if you read it it's actually kind of like a funny book because like the way that it's like narrated like it's like half narrated by some like omnipotent narrator and also kind of like by Marco Polo himself because you have to remember Marco Polo like didn't entirely write the travels like he had he basically had it ghost written for him (laughs) you know he had a scribe because he provided the information but he had another guy write it technically anyway very interesting book I hope I do well on that essay because it's yeah um all right so enough about my boring life uh it's Juana part two. I'm really excited for this part of Juana's life because this is this is where it gets crazy. If you guys thought it was crazy in part one, this this doesn't hold a candle to it. Like, I hope you guys are ready. So let's get into it. 
Okay, so before we get back into our story, let's just do a quick recap of our last episode and Juana's life so far, just in case you guys either forgot and like don't want to listen to the first half again, you know? Okay, so Juana was born to the literal power couple of Europe, Isabel of Castile and Ferdinand of Aragon. She would have grown up in the lap of luxury with her very close-knit and moderately happy family. Uh, where she received a bomb-ass education. She was really smart. As a teenager, she was involved in a double marriage alliance where she married Philip, who was Duke of Burgundy and the son of the Holy Roman Emperor, and Philip's sister married Juana's older brother. Now, at first, her marriage was pretty fucking solid, like it was doing good. But after a while, Juana realized her husband was a fucking dick who cheated on her and then called her a crazy bitch for calling out her affairs calling out his affairs. Now, after a series of tragedies where she loses her two older siblings, very tragic because she loved her brothers and sisters, Juana suddenly becomes heir to her parents' kingdoms, which her husband is all too happy about because it means power for him. And if there's one thing you can say about Philip, he was fucking power hungry. Now, at this point, they are making their way to Juana's homeland so she can be declared heir, and that's what y'all missed last time. So, let's get back into Juana's life. Now, near the end of 1501, Juana and Philip made their way to Spain by land. Now, they traveled through France to get there, and of course, Philip was a fucking asshole the whole trip. Now, make no mistake, Juana, while she hated Philip, she was at the time, like, desperately in love with him and I think she was still searching for the Philip she had had in like their first year of marriage and when he was an asshole she gave that same energy back to him like even though like she was like still hopelessly in love with him if he was a dick to her she gave she gave those same vibes like back at his face like on their road trip to Spain they stopped by Paris to meet the king of France and if you guys remember in my um um Claude of uh, France episode, I talk a bit about Juana's uh, trip in France because Claude was there. She had like just been born. Like she was a little, she was a little baby. And uh, Claude cried when she met Juana, which didn't exactly bode well for Juana's reputation. (laughs) Anyway, so (laughs) they're in in France, they're at a banquet with like the King of France. And I guess Juana had just like had enough of Philip shit that shit that day and decided to remind everyone at French court that she was in fact Spanish, which she knew would piss Philip off and would make the French squirm since the French didn't like Spain like at all. So Juana showed up uh, to the dinner with the king in a traditional Spanish dress and performed a Spanish dance in front of everyone, which Philip did not like, uh, which was exactly what Juana planned. And all I've got to say is go off queen. We love you, Juana. Go queen. Now, eventually, Juana and Philip did make it to Spain, but things were mm, tense, to say the least. Um, Both Ferdinand and Isabella had never had specific details on how Philip had treated Juana. Still, Isabella had always had her suspicions that Philip was an asswipe, and boy, were they right. (laughs) Now, the minute Philip entered Spain, he acted like a tool. He didn't like Spanish uptight Spanish culture. He didn't like the intense heat in Spain, and he hated that his wife was a bigger fucking deal deal than him, since there was no plans to make him an equal ruler with Juana. They were just going to make him a consort, mostly because neither Ferdinand nor Isabella liked him, and their opinion of him only got worse the more uh, they saw him in Spain. 
He was rude and selfish, and he dressed, like, way too gaudy for, like, everyone. Like, like Ferdinand and Isabella, they could be gaudy, but, like, they mostly kept it to a minimum. But Philip, he was wearing, like, velvet and, like, jewels, like, 24-7. Like, Philip and Ferdinand, sorry, <laughs> Isabella and Ferdinand, they didn't do that shit. They were, they were very, you know, conservative uh, people. Also, one other story. When the family attended a tournament to celebrate uh, Juana's uh, declaration as heir, um, <laughs> Philip thought it would be funny to throw scraps of food at the poor and watch them fight over it. <sighs> wow. <laughs> now, uh, case in point, from this display of behavior, he should not get any power under any circumstances. Now, Juan and Philip fought a lot during their whole trip, but apparently they had enough time to have hate sex because uh, Juana got pregnant during the trip, and Philip was not having any of it. Now, as Juana got you know more and more pregnant, he was more anxious to go home, and he made up an excuse that he promised his people he would not be gone for longer than a year. So, you know, he had to go home because his people missed him. But Juana was, like, desperate to go with him, but she was super pregnant and making that journey in the winter like literally could have killed her so despite the fact that uh juana literally kicked screamed and begged philip to stay he left and he went back home but he lollygagged in france for a few months which you know just goes to show that he didn't want to go home just because he missed home he wanted to get away from his pregnant wife <laughs> now eventually juana uh, gave birth to her fourth child in march 1503 in spain it was a boy that she named ferdinand after her papa um after she gave birth juana she was she was a little postpartum she was a little depressed um she literally begged her parents on her hands and knees to go home to her husband and her three other children because she missed them. She, she hadn't seen them in like two years. Now, while at first they wanted her to stay, Juana threw, she threw a huge fit and literally refused to eat anything. And she scared away like all the people meant to calm her down. Like, to be honest, mood, I'd do that. <laughs> now, after many months, her parents eventually gave in and finally let her go home. Now, Juana had to leave her son Ferdinand in the care of her parents because a baby couldn't make that journey. And she made her way uh, back to Burgundy via France again, which I got Maybe she was a little traumatized from her first boat ride there, so like maybe that's why she didn't take a boat anyway. Now, when she showed up, she was once again betrayed by her asshole husband. Now, when Juana showed up back in Burgundy, she found out Philip had taken up with a new mistress. And... I think it was at this point when she found out Philip was cheating on her again, that all her like pain and suffering and anger about her marriage at this point came bubbling up. And for the first time, she actually did something like truly violent. Like at this point, she had just been like having tantrums, which I think is like fairly normal for someone with a pretty fiery temper. But this was mm, it's not looking for Juana. So... Juana got so angry, she cornered Philip's new mistress and attacked her with a pair of scissors. Now, how the mistress ended up at the end of the story varies on who's telling the story, but uh, one of the uh, versions I heard, um, it said that Juana left the mistress bold and bleeding, but there are other versions that say that Juana straight up like stabbed the mistress and like totally killed her. But I don't know. I like to subscribe to the idea that uh, hopefully she didn't murder her. Like, I'm really hoping. But, like, to be fair, like, 
she's angry and she can't take it out on Philip. So like taking it out on the mistress is like, you know, like a fair reaction. Like maybe not attacking her with scissors, but like, I, you know, I get it. Um, and when Philip found out that Juana went like super crazy, like psycho stab stab on his mistress, he called her crazy, slapped her like hard and then locked her in a bedroom. And despite the fact that she banged on the door for hours, she stayed there. He wouldn't let her out of her room. And Juana was locked in her room from April 1504 to November of 1504. And unfortunately, in the month of November 1504, her mother died. But she was the last one to know about it because Philip was trying to get her out of the way so he could become king of Spain. So he didn't he didn't tell her that her fucking mother died. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Now, luckily, uh, Mama Isabella had left some safeguards in place when she died, where she had not mentioned Philip at all in her will and stated that Juana was heir to Castile. But just in case, Papa Ferdinand would be made her regent, and in and in the case that Juana did not want to become queen anymore, her son Charles could be king when he turned 20. So Philip's only angle was to make Juana seem crazier than she was so that he could be named king. Now, at some point during Juana's, like, imprisonment in her own bedroom, Philip found the time to sleep with her, which, you know, I don't want to know how that happened and, like, the consent issues with that, but, like, Juana was pregnant. Like, she she got pregnant during her confinement, and she had her fifth child, Mary, like, not too long after her mother died, so, like, mm, there's, like, some questionable, like, consent issues there. Anyway, um, now, not only was uh, Philip pissed that he had been passed over in Isabella's will, uh, so was Juana's dad. Like, he was slightly, like, ignored in the will. Ferdinand was determined to still hold power in Spain even though he didn't really. Uh, he minted his own coins, saying he and his daughter were co-rulers, uh, but she was crazy, so he needed to do all the work. And, you know, Philip actually did the exact same thing. And at this point, civil war looked likely. Mm. Although the worst thing that Ferdinand did was, despite the fact that Isabella asked Ferdinand, hey, can you not, like, remarry so the su- our succession won't be screwed up? He he didn't fucking listen to his dead wife's will. And he married this lady named Germaine of Foy, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's F-O-I-X. He did this in an attempt to have a son so that Juana couldn't be the queen of Aragon, but she could be the queen of Castile. But, like, maybe not if Ferdinand could gain power in Castile. Anyway. Also, weirdest of all, Ferdinand's new wife was the granddaughter of his own half-sister. So, like, ew, gross. That's... Gross. Now, I think Philip, sorry, Ferdinand's, like, whole plan was that he thought by, like, remarrying and, like, giving Castile a male heir that people would be like, oh my god, Ferdinand, we love you so much, we want you to be king of Castile. But it actually had the opposite effect. Um, No one in Castile, like, actually, like, liked Ferdinand. They liked their queen, Isabella, and when they were ruling together, they tolerated Ferdinand, but now that he was rebounding with a French lady two months after their beloved queen died, only made Castile want Juana as their queen more. So it kind of, his whole plan kind of backfired. Now, finally, in early 1505, Philip let Juana out of her room and was basically like, come on, honey, let's go get my, I mean, your throne. <laughs> So they went to go claim Castile in Juana's name. Now you can't see it, but I'm putting up quotations next to Juana's name because really Philip wanted it. 
Now, uh, especially now that popular opinions seem to be on Juana's side, it seemed like a good time to go and claim it. Now, luckily, these two were smart enough to take a boat this time around rather than going through France, but that still didn't stop them from running into issues on their way to Spain. Now, on the way to Spain, their boat was caught in a storm, and they were forced to dock in Dorset, England, which, you know, sucked because, ugh, England. But... (laughs) I'm sorry to English people, that was rude. But in uh, good news, guess who was in England? Why wasn't it? Juana's little sister, Catherine of Aragon, uh, who was cruelly locked in rural poverty, who Juana hadn't seen in like seven years, which was great. But I think even Catherine at this point saw a change in Juana when they were together again, because after all, poor, poor Juana had just been like locked in her room for several months, and she had just like been pregnant, so like, it. So, like, I mean, they they definitely, like, got along, but, like, I I think everyone could tell something was a little off in Juana's personality, especially Catherine, because, you know, that was her sister, even though they hadn't seen each other in seven years. Anyway, now, when Juana and Philip uh, finally made it to Spain, the people and the nobles especially, they were fucking ecstatic, and they made it queer. They wanted Juana as their queen, not Ferdinand as the king, or even Philip, for that matter. So Juana tried her best to hold on to power, but she was having a little bit of a tough time, to say the least. Uh, Despite the fact that her father had tried to betray her, she still trusted him more than Philip because, after all, he was her dad. But that was a very poor decision on her part. I mean, there's a reason for Nana's in the burn book, guys. Now, her dad had a top-secret meeting with Philip where uh, both men plotted to spread rumors that Juana was insane, and then lock her up and take her powers for themselves and, like, split it between them. And because that's not slimy enough, Ferdinand also drafted alternative documents saying that everything he did was coerced by Philip when uh, he was probably just covering himself for all outcomes. Like, if if this went sideways, he could be like, Philip made me do it, Juana. <laughs> but, you know, he was, he was just being a fucking slime ball because, of, of course, he was. Now, Philip was also busy doing the same thing when at the start of 1506, 1506, he tried to have her declared officially insane and have her, like, locked up in, like, some castle. But the people of Castile, like, wouldn't do it because, one, she was their queen, and two, they had sent people, like, personally to come and meet Juana to, like, like, um, see if she was insane or not, and, like, see if she was, like, you know, like, crawling up the walls and, like, hissing at people, but when, like, these officials, like, came to meet Juana, she was perfectly calm, she was nice, and, like, perfectly in control of her emotions, so there was no proof that she was deranged at all, so Philip couldn't have her legally declared insane. Now, despite not a lot working out in his favor, Philip and Juana were declared king and queen. Uh, Philip was declared an equal ruler. He was declared as Philip I of Castile. But uh, luckily, for all of us, uh, karma hit this idiot like a fucking brick during Christmas. Now, Philip attended a banquet to celebrate his great victory, and he drank quite a large amount of water, and then he got, like, really sick out of nowhere, and then he just died. Like like, out of nowhere. Now, the official reason for his death was typhoid fever, which is, like, basically, like, like, almost like a cold, essentially. Eh, anyway. So, to be honest, I'm, like, 95 fucking percent sure Ferdinand probably poisoned him, because, god, that's so mysterious. Like, how do you, like, just, like, drink a whole bunch of water and you just, like, fucking die the next day? 
well, it wasn't the next day. He took a, he took a while to die. But like the, the point is like it's a, little, it's a little suspicious. I mean, he was only in his late twenties and like pretty healthy for the most part. So for him to just like drop dead this conveniently was like weird. But in good news, one half of Philip's sorry, one half of Juana's abusers is dead. Yay! But it wasn't like that yay for Juana because, uh, one, she was pregnant with her last child, so hormones. And uh, two, even though, like, Juana, like, had a lot of fights with Philip and he was a dick to her, she was also, like, ridiculously and hopeless, hopelessly, desperately in love with him because, you know, she was, she was a very needy person. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, it's also an issue when he gaslit her their entire marriage. And him dying literally, like, broke her into a thousand pieces because she loved him that desperately. Now, it's after Philip's death where we get some of the craziest stories about her, which are, you know, are probably not true. But this one is important to Juana's legend and place in history. So apparently after Philip died, Juana, she would just not leave Philip's body alone. Like apparently like she took it with her in a casket everywhere and Ferdinand had to like seriously like sit Juana down and convince her to have him buried. Now, originally she wanted him buried in Granada where her mother was buried, but that wasn't done for like decades. Like it it took decades for like uh, like the government to be convinced that Philip should be buried there, which pissed one off because she like really thought that he deserved to be buried there, which I, I feel like Isabella would have negative thoughts about. I don't think she wouldn't have wanted Philip to be buried near her. But anyway, uh, still, she did eventually lay him to rest, but on the way to do it, his body was at her side at all times. Now, many people have used these stories as proof that Juana was crazy and unhinged, and that is why she needed to be locked up. But I see this more as a woman who had been abused and gaslighted by her husband for close to a decade. And despite how he treated her, she was desperate to be loved. And she had a rather extreme reaction to his death. Plus, you know, she was pregnant all the time and hormones, you know. Ugh. Um, oh, by, by the way, speaking of pregnancy and babies, she ended up having that last baby after Philip died. Um, it was a girl and they named it Catalina. So, like, yay, baby. But, like, ugh husband dead. Um, now, after Juana had composed herself after Philip's death and the birth of her last child and, like, getting over the fact that uh, people were spreading rumors that she, like, like laid down with her husband's body. Anyway, uh, she started taking charge of her new kingdom uh, by firing all of her husband's henchmen and trying to establish herself as the bomb-ass queen she knew she could be. Now, but of course, just as Juana was getting her reign on track, her dad had to come and fucking ruin it fucking course. Now, one of the th first things Ferdinand did was ask Juana to, like, remarry so that she could, like, you know, have a decent power base with a husband. Um, he tried to get her to, uh, be remarried to Henry VII of England, but she was like, you know, he's, like, ancient and, like, also, like, he's, like, the father-in-law of my sister, like, uh. <laughs> And she also liked being single. Like, she didn't want to get remarried again. Like, even though she was young. And um, the minute Juana, like, refused to marry Henry VII of England, Ferdinand kind of let down the uh, helpful dad act that he had been, like, masquerading as in front of Juana. And he went a little 
Um, he declared Juana unfit to rule, and he named himself regent and forcibly locked his own daughter up at the palace of the of Tordesillas. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce that. And he had guards there lying about why his daughter was there. And he tried to force her to abdicate at first, but she absolutely refused to. She was like, no, I'm queen. You can't fucking make me abdicate. And she never ended up giving up her crown. Now, Ferdinand only visited Juana twice during her imprisonment, two motherfucking times, and she spent 11 years here under her father, so he only visited her twice in 11 years. Like, can you fucking imagine that? Now, the only silver lining was that her youngest daughter, Catalina, got to live with her. Like, Catalina was all she had. Juana spent every waking fucking moment making sure Catalina was well taken care of since she couldn't see her other children. Like, she was absolutely barred from seeing her other children, which, you know, would have, like, really fucking sucked because she loved the hell out of her children. Like, seriously. So, over the next uh, couple of years, as in, like, 11, many attempts were made to break her out since, you know, the people of Castile, Castile were, like, fucking furious that their queen was being locked up. But all attempts to break her out ended up failing because, you know, Ferdinand was really good at keeping her guarded. Now, in 1516, after uh, when I had been locked up there for nearly a decade, Ferdinand finally fucking died. And luckily, he never managed to have a son with his second wife. So, yay, Juana is now Queen of Aragon. And now also, her teenage son is coming to be her co-ruler. Now, you'd think this is the time where she would, you know, get free because her second abuser is dead. And, you know, her baby boy is coming. Yay! Well, you'd be wrong, because if you thought Ferdinand was a bad jailer, her son Charles was way fucking worse. So Charles walks into Spain, he's about 16, and it's obvious right off the bat he's more power hungry than even his father, than his father or his grandfather was combined. He not only doesn't let his mother out because he doesn't know her, like they haven't seen one another in like a decade, maybe even longer. He doesn't care about her, so he makes her imprisonment about 10 times worse than it already was. He had nuns watch her 24 fucking 7, kept her in a windowless room so she couldn't scream for help, and worst of all, Charles tried to take Catalina away. So Juana went on a hunger strike to protest Charles trying to take Catalina away from her, which got her about six more years with Catalina before Catalina eventually was married off to the King of Portugal, which really sucked. Losing Catalina sent Juana into like a tailspin way worse than when Philip died. And she was having more and more tantrums, which is fair to be honest. Like if if you're like one one purpose in life was to take care of your daughter and that daughter got taken away from you you'd fucking lose it too. Now, at one point, Juana was, like, horribly sick, and Charles wouldn't let her see a doctor. Like, he wouldn't let anyone come and see her because, you know, they'd find out that she actually wasn't fucking bonkers and she was, like, a normal fucking person. Luckily, she did recover, but he was, God, he was so fucking worried that someone would find out that she wasn't actually crazy. Like, and he thought it was, he, he probably thought it was better that she died rather than anyone find out that he was lawfully keeping his mother locked up. Now, finally, after a nearly 20-year imprisonment under both her father and her son, Juana died on April 12th, 1555, in her cell, all by herself. Now, she was buried next to her asshat husband, as unfortunately she requested, which... 
Now, I, I also forgot to mention that while she was locked up, she did get to see her grandchildren, like, quite a lot. Like, I, I, I found some, like, documents, like, talking about how her uh, son would, like, come and visit with his grandchildren, which, like, which, like, proves to me that, like, Charles knew she wasn't crazy. Because, like, why would he let his own, like, children around her, like, if he knew she wasn't crazy? He was just being worse than Ferdinand and Philip, like, put together. Okay, so before we end uh, this episode, let's talk about legacy for uh, Juana. Now, of course, Juana, she doesn't have the best reputation in history. I mean, she isn't called the mad for nothing. But, you know, what I've realized learning about her is that she was, you know, just a person, probably with mental health issues. She might have been bipolar. Uh, she was abused and gaslighted her whole life by three generations of her family. She wasn't mad. Her whole family abused her. They exploited her mental instability in order to get power from her. I mean, the, the three men in her life that were supposed to protect her exploited her. Now, if she had been able to reign on her own, she would have been queen for 51 years, which is three times longer than the longest Spanish reign of her four times great grandson, Philip V. So I think she, she would have been her country's greatest monarch. Like she might've even eclipsed her mother in a lot of ways. She could have been a Spanish Queen Elizabeth I, but instead she was stripped of her power, locked up, and that just makes me incredibly sad because, like, can you imagine the kind of influence she could have had on history as the sole ruler of one of the most powerful empires on the motherfucking planet? Like, can you just imagine that? But... Now, of course, misogyny had to fucking ruin it for her. Like, God, are we fucking surprised at this point? And thank you guys so much for joining me. I will see you in two weeks with my next episode. Goodbye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at longmayshyrain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.